Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello again, everybody, and thank you for joining Kim and I today, talking all things wine with you. How are you, Kim? I'm doing great. How are you, Mark? Everything is great. I'm so happy we're talking wine again today, Kim. And I think we have two interesting articles, kind of opposites. One of them is what we should get rid of this year that we did last year, things trending in the wine world or things we did in the wine world because of COVID that really need to go away this year. And then we're going to focus on trends that are here to stay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of interesting points in here, Kim. For, so the ones that you think should go, what did you want to start with? There was like, uh, what, six things they said should go. Yeah. Five things. Yeah. And I think this is a really timely topic because, you know, usually we tackle these sorts of, we have these, these conversations at the beginning of the calendar year. But because of COVID, it's like the calendar doesn't matter anymore. We're in this like weird, weird time flux. But now that people are getting vaccinated and the numbers are going down, we're sort of trying to figure out a pre-COVID reality, during COVID reality, and then a post-COVID reality. So I think that so much of what we need to focus on and how we are going to think about the next year or two when it comes to wine is going to be really informed by what did we do during COVID? What did we learn? What did we like about our experience in this whole different reality? And what can we get rid of? But then what positive things can we take out of that experience and use going forward that either will benefit us from a personal standpoint or benefit our industry and help us bring either wine to the wider world or just to kind of utilize it better. So I think that the the time is really right for this kind of a conversation. So for things to jettison, like yeah. what can we get rid of from what we did in 2020? I think it took people a little bit of time to get comfortable with these sort of like socialization with wine or with happy hours or whatever in front of a screen with your either your friends or your colleagues or your coworkers and not being able to be with those people in person. So I think it took a little while for like business happy hours to kind of hit a stride. A lot of wineries and wine education folks, you know, really tried to hit the ground running with Zoom tastings and this whole idea of doing virtual wine tastings. So I think that this is still a little bit of a work in progress, but I think that companies and businesses have started to get the hang of kind of quote unquote happy hour. And I know yeah. that like my husband has, you know, every other Friday, he has a virtual happy hour with his colleagues. And we've been doing a lot of, you know, online Zoom based wine tastings and wine education and stuff like that. So I think as long as people stay open and engaged, and I think the engagement is the really big part of it, that those things, it's kind of um, two sides of the same coin. You know, we want to get rid of the really boring, not useful 
Zoom happy hours with booze, but we also want to encourage the ones that have been successful and have been fun. It's sad to see it go because we've gotten so good at them. But I don't think they're going to go. People, no, I don't well, think they're going to go away, honestly. I think it'll go for a little bit because people are going to want to get out and, and yeah. do things and actually do these things in person. But then the trend of it being able to be done, I think, will stay strong. Especially I'm going to disagree with you. World. No, you don't think I'm, it'll stay on? Stay? I think it's going to stay on. Oh, I do, too. Yeah. I'm saying it, as far as education, too, I think it really should take off more and people can see how... Yeah. Great that feature was. So yeah, I agree with that. I'm thinking though, just temporarily it's going to go to so people could physically get together mm-hmm. in that way because they're just sick of it. But they're good like at on a it short now. term, like, oh my right. goodness, I need my right. fix of being physically with other people Correct. in the same yeah. room and like yeah. clinking glasses and stuff. But no, yeah, I don't think I think that people have gotten to the point where, and I'm sort of this way too. It's like, oh, you know, I can stay in the comfort of my home and still get the benefit of doing these things online with other people without having to drive 45 minutes or yeah. find parking or people in from all over the world. Yeah. And, and, and I all think over the of world, so many you don't have to worry about, am I eating enough? Am I drinking enough water? Have I had too much to consume, you know, to drink? And then right. I, I still have to drive home. Like, those kinds of things I think are are very important to be paying attention to because I think people are thinking about those things too. There's so many ideas came from this, Kim, where I can see doing events in the future where you can bring people to other parts of the world, bring people in from other sure. parts of the world that you couldn't have physically in your location. There are all these like virtual walking tours that you can have of different cities to get people to see like okay, today we're in this particular vineyard and at this particular winery in Italy or, I don't know, Croatia or Germany or South Africa. Like all of these opportunities that I think are now we're realizing can really become a reality. I think we're in agreement. The article was saying they should these things should be left behind, but I think there's a lot of things they mentioned that I think we can build on. Yeah, and I think as long as they're done right. Yeah, like the one of them was the restaurant outdoor bubble thing should go Mm -hmm. away right now i thought those things were a great idea and i still like the idea where i could go be outside a nice comfortable setting but be outdoors i think those things are cool oh i think that what their point for this saying that it should go away was not the idea of you have to be in the bubble no 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 not the idea of having outdoor dining when you're in a little bubble like with your pod but Like when, remember, I think it was probably over the summer where a lot of restaurants were starting to put these outdoor gigantic covered areas that were more like the tents that you'd put up for like a backyard wedding that became their own sort of indoor places. So yes, technically it was outside, but because you're still in a closed environment with all of these people and you're all kind of breathing on each other, it Uh, didn't necessarily serve the purpose of, well, why are we doing outdoor dining to begin with? We're doing outdoor dining to begin with so that we're not breathing on each other and spreading COVID to each other. But if you're doing that outdoor indoor, you're kind of defeating the, the purpose of it. So I think they're saying that like irresponsible outdoor dining needs to go but I'm in agreement with you that kind of when you've got these like little bubble things and you're comfortable, but you're still outside. The fire things, the fire, the fire, fire pit, pit things. And, and yeah, 
I think that's kind of lovely, yeah. <laughs> frankly. Well, We've been eating around our fire pit a lot because it's outside and, you know, it's fun and it's it's different and, you know, fresh air and all that is good. So what was your take? They mentioned one of the things we should leave behind is saving of special bottles. Yeah. What was your, I thought that was kind of strange because we had talked in the past about this where it was time to open those bottles yeah. you were saving, right? Right. And so, that's what they're saying. They're saying like, okay, you know, we all say sort of save these bottles for a special occasion, but no the reason flips, to it. There's anymore. no reason to. Yeah. Carpe diem. Seize the day, seize the wine bottle. So yeah, I think that this past year really has brought home to a lot of us and especially those of us who have lost people through this pandemic that you never can count on the next day. And so use what you have. Stop holding on to these things that you're saving for. A, oh, one day I'll open this or maybe, you know, someday I'll open this. Open it now. Like make make any day a celebration. Yeah, and I agree with day. that trend. Yeah. I thought and I've been doing that. <laughs> Not a lot in my wine cellar yeah. these days. My stash got really low. Yeah, mine now, too. <laughs> now my wife is complaining. I'm bringing home a bottle every night and they're getting all <laughs> over the place. I'm losing control of where they are. So I, I have a lot to, to open up. Yeah. Oh, good for you. You know, and you know, it's it's nice that you and I are in the position that we can do that. And it's we have work access. Related. Strictly, and it's work related. Sure. Work. It's completely so, work related. You know, you need to know how these wines are progressing. One of, time. One of the wine trends they mentioned here, Kim, that I totally agree should go for many reasons. Yeah. Was the masks that had straw holes oh, in it so you could drink <laughs> your drink. But in general, masks that say I only remove for wine or anything. Sort of like, like that, those kitschy things. I'm, I'm done with those. Uh, right. And general masks in general, once everything is good, I gradually see it go away. But the ones that had you know, I think they were making fun saying, you know, you had a hole in it for your straw. Why yeah. did you have a hole in your mask? I thought it brought a wine. light to the whole yeah. thing. In the <laughs> I, I have to say, I haven't seen too many of those, but I also haven't been to any indoor dining. We've been doing a lot of takeout and we've been trying to support a lot of our local restaurants. So we get takeout like once or twice a week, which isn't really excellent for my waistline, but we're trying to, uh, you know, <laughs> support our locals. But I haven't. Blaming the food, not the wine. I I'm, like that. I'm, I am never going to blame the wine, dude. No. <laughs> I, I should be I blaming like the wine, but no. So I don't have as much of an opinion that I can give on how those things are being utilized inside a restaurant because I'm not there. But I'm sure there are some people that are using those, you know, the ones that have like little Velcro across the mouth and then you, you can eat yeah. through the mask and then you put the Velcro back. I don't know. But the ones with the straw hole, I think are a little funny looking. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we're your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find out more information about Mark at his website, franklinlickers.com, and more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. And as always, you can find our show on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been talking about trends that we want to see leave post-COVID and trends that we want to see stay that maybe have happened over the last year or that we've learned a little bit about in the last year. And we we're just talking a bit about some of those trends that we wanted to see go. And now we have some that we hope will stick around. So we've got two articles, one that is from beveragedaily.com and then another from a site called 
eat this, not that, that we've talked about a little bit when it comes to sort of health. Interestingly, not a lot of overlap between these, which is something that we often see when we try to put together these articles about either New Year trends in wine or, you know, what are people reflecting back on or thinking about for future trends that might happen. So one that we sort of have seen over and over and over come up is this idea of the health conscious drinker. And we saw it a little bit when we were talking about half bottles in last week's show that maybe people are trying to get their hands on smaller format bottles so that they don't open a 750 and drink that entire bottle. Maybe they want, you know, smaller portions. Like, And if a bottle is in, if wine is in a smaller bottle, it will help them with that portion control. But this definitely seems to be something that we have seen a little bit more of. Like people are looking for lower alcohol wines, lower sugar wines, lighter wines, and lighter beverages in general that maybe don't have that alcoholic kick that's quite as high as maybe some other things that are out there. I've seen a lot of new products being released late, yeah. lately, Kim, with I low alcohol, have. no alcohol. And a lot of the big brands, I've saw recently a New Zealand winemaker came out with no alcohol, Sauvignon Blanc. Oh my goodness. There's a lot coming out. I'm still not seeing the consumer really looking for it or, or mm. asking for it. And I think a lot of it, because last year the trend was the seltzer, maybe because mm-hmm. of the the uh, movement of health conscious people drinking more seltzer and kind of the wine didn't really play in. So this year now it's going to be interesting because everybody's jumping into the seltzers and you're going to see more wine seltzers, wine-based seltzers. So we'll see if people are more conscious to get that this year and and kind of not focus on the no alcohol or We'll see. But I, I love when they come out with these consumer, this is what's going to trend. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how they see it. I think they hope this is what's going to happen because they're releasing so many new products. But I, I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen it yet. I, I love that you brought up the idea of the wine seltzers. Like that could be the natural next progression for these slightly alcoholic seltzer things that do seem to be all the rage with newer drinkers, younger drinkers, the generation that are in their early to mid 20s. And I find it fascinating that this is actually a topic that we've talked about for years, frankly. Like, I think it was probably a year ago that we were talking about, you know, what the heck ever happened to wine coolers, you know? Yeah. And I love to think about and this is just like sort of the geeky historian in me, what do younger people who come of drinking age, what do they start with? What is that first experience with wine and with alcoholic beverages once they get beyond, you know, pounding beers in college? What do they go on to drink? And then how do they progress beyond that? Hopefully Um, they start with the low alcohol seltzer drinks and not, you know, hundred proof vodkas. And right, like right, that. right, right. But it always traditionally start. is lower alcohol, sweet, sweeter, fruity. Yeah. My generation had Zima <laughs> and yeah. things like that. Well, and those were trending things at right. the time. So like that right? was trending in the early nineties and in the late seventies, early eighties, it was wine coolers. And there's always something, whether it's those things or white Zinfandel right now, the hot thing is those uh, is seltzers and who knows in five years, maybe it will come back around to something wine-based. So I just, from a, (laughs) you know, from just a, 
I don't know, academic sort of standpoint. I just find that stuff so fascinating yeah. because you kind of know what's going to happen. And it's, you know, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to watch. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. see like, what is the next thing going to be? And, and a few years ago it was Moscato for like two years. It was Riesling. <laughs> I don't know. It's it always just, changes. Always, it's always changing, always but it's changes. always that like slightly sweet thing. So I love the fact that these articles brought up exactly that. That, this, okay, it's the seltzers, it's they're lower in alcohol, they're very easy to drink. And if it could be coming back around to something wine based, would be, I think, really great for the wine industry because then those drinkers hopefully will graduate into something maybe a little bit more um, sophisticated and serious when it comes to wine. You're going to see a huge boom on wine-based seltzers. And, and this is going to be something people have to watch out for because everything hitting the market right now, the key thing they're putting on it is seltzer. Yeah, And it's going to be kind of a trick to rope you in. You have to look at what that seltzer is being made with. Is it wine-based? Is it beer-based? Is That's it liquor-based? There's so many. So the liquor-based ones, you see products made by Absolute, by uh, Jose Cuervo and their liquor. So you're not going to find those in a beer and wine store, right? Mm. So the wine-based ones are just now starting to say, hey, we have to get into it. Just recently, Decoy came out with a wine-based seltzer. Line 39 came out with a wine-based seltzer. All the big guys, you know, Barefoot's jumping into it. I saw the Barefoot ones, yeah. And that led to the other point I wanted to make on this article, Kim. They were saying people are going to be more convenience consumers. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the, the seltzer in these, they call them RT, RTDs, right? Ready to drinks, convenient packaging. I want to go in. I want a seltzer. Now, do I want wine? It's, you know, do I want the liquor base? Is it in a can? Is that convenient for me? That's what I'm, I'm going with. So I think that the health and the seltzer and the convenience thing kind of be packaged together in a trend that I see is really happening. And this summer, that convenience ready to drink market is going to be huge. Fascinating. Huge. Cool. I don't know it's if it's always the younger great generation, to get, uh, but it's, it's going to be big. Yeah. It's well, always banking on it. <laughs> great to get your perspective as a retailer. And, you know, you have a different interaction with the consumer than I have. And I always love to hear that perspective because you always give me some new tidbit of information that I didn't realize was out there. So that is, I'm glad you're excited about the summer. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing is, it's frustrating though, is that the, you know, the seltzer market is huge, right? So yeah. if you go in a store nowadays and you leave because they don't have that one brand of seltzer, there's going to be hundreds of seltzers out there now. In pretty much all the same flavors, just some little niche. And one of those niches, another point in this article, Kim, the purpose consumers are going to seek out products that are fame. They call them fame hungry consumers, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're seeing the seltzer and the wine drink backed by celebrities, mm -hmm. right? And they're saying the trend will be Kim's going to go to the store. She's looking for wine, but she's only looking for a wine if Snoop Dogg is promoting that wine. Now, is that a good thing for the for the wine world? Because Snoop Dogg says to drink this rosé, we, we have to drink that rosé. And they're saying that the trend is going to be, yeah, Kim loves Snoop Dogg. She's going to drink her rosé, his, his rosé all summer. Because but why Snoop. is that any different from any other 
product being marketed by celebrities. Yeah. Well, you know, are you, are, yeah. are you really going out to buy that Nespresso maker because you really like George Clooney and he's the spokesman for Nespresso? It's just rolling into the liquor industry now. Mm -hmm. It's, it's real, and it's really taking off. Where just recently, uh, a seltzer was released by uh, Travis Scott, and it's the hottest thing because Travis Scott uh, he promoted something. Was it with Burger King or McDonald's? I don't know if you saw that. I'm not really a follower, but he came out with this seltzer, and everybody wants it. Wow, it's crazy! So in the in the wine world, I like that people get excited about something in the wine world, mm -hmm. but I get nervous that they think it's a good quality wine. You know what I mean? It's these big brands are finding these people saying, Hey, do this for us. And it sounds like crazy. Yeah. But is that good for the wine world? I think that's a Phyllis, more of a philosophical argument for the wine world because it's getting people have, interested in wine, but uh, yeah. And we always have this like weird argument back and forth, not you and me, but you know, our industry and our, we argue enough. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we do not. Yeah. But you know, this idea that wine just a commodity, like anything else, or is wine more this special thing that needs to be taken a little bit more seriously and you need to pay attention to the soil and you need to pay attention to the, the terroir and the grape variety. I think there's always this struggle that wine has with itself and especially with the marketing of it, that some people view it as this super special, almost mystical kind of beverage. And then other people are like, no, this is just, you know, this is something that we're pumping out millions and millions and millions of bottles of, and we're going to sell it like any other commodity. So I don't think this is anything new. Yeah, for wine, you know, it this, gets back to your it, point. It, but it's it's something that you know is always part of the conversation yeah. when it comes to wine. It gets back to your point of what's the younger generation mm -hmm. going to it. So if they get excited about rosé now, they never had it, or now they're excited about. It, I like it. Right, that it brings it. It brings attention to things like Post Malone had a rosé last. Oh summer, yeah, that was right? like last year, right? It was a really pretty bottle. And people loved it. It, it, but it was actually good wine, mm -hmm. you know? So the, in that side, I was happy. It, it got them into something new. Yeah. Where, whereas a retail I don't like is just too many people jumping on the fame bandwagon. We, where do we draw the line of who do, do I look bad because I support Snoop Dogg, but I don't support this person? You know I, mean? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have, do I stock George Clooney's tequila? even though George Clooney sold it or, you know what I mean? So yeah. where do you take a stand? Oh, as a that's retailer? very interesting. You know, there's people putting their names on products that don't even own it. Yeah. It goes way back to uh, Bethany. What's her name? Bethany Franco. Franco. Yeah. Skinny, skinny girl. girl right. Yep. And then she sold it. Now skinny girl's dead. It's like a line that just died, but it was hot and you, you rode the wave. And But there's like other skinny girl stuff out there. Like I saw the most random skinny girl thing at, it it's became like Costco, a brand. like Costco yeah. or BJ's or something Foods. the other day. Yeah. Yeah. It was like power bars or something. It. Like it was very, very she sold, random. She sold it out. Did and she? It, and I get, Well, that's go, why you start those brands and you sell yeah. them and you make oodles you sell of money. Them get, like George Clooney did. And, you know, Sno yeah. Snoop Dogg's funny because he promoted uh, 19 crimes. Yeah. I know wine. Then I'm watching TVs on the Corona beer commercial, <laughs> right? He's on, he's on fight. So if I was the wine people, I'd be like, Hey, you can't do that Corona commercial because I you we're losing those people now drinking out wine to the beer. 
Okay, Snoop's a good marketer. Yeah, know? he's he's hot right now. People are, are riding it. I don't know. I went off. I went off. No, on, no. I think that I find this to be a, a very interesting conversation. Well, I guess be, like you, Kim, it's just frustrating because you don't know. You, we want to know what is popular, what people want, you know, what's getting them interested. But that's the and thing is that like, you can't figure it you out. You don't, but nobody can figure it out. Yeah. It's, you know, and the articles say, this is what's hot. Yeah. And, and a lot of times you don't see it and you don't understand it. Yeah. And we talked about this many times where a product's popular in Boston, but it's not in Franklin. Mm -hmm. or it's popular in Milford, but it's not in Franklin. Right. So. Or it's popular in New York City or it's popular in Chicago, but it's not popular in Massachusetts. Yeah. And that was like actually one of the other points from one of these articles that stood out that the first piece was Portugal hot. I mean, we've been saying Portugal's going to be hot for the last 20 years. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And we like, want Portuguese wines are right on the horizon. It's like, yeah. yeah, we, I can't tell you how long we've been saying people need to drink the wines from Portugal because they're like really amazing and it hasn't happened yet. So I'm not sure it's going to happen in 2021, but anyway, you're right. But they did mention one of the new trends was this saying Prosecco Rosé. So this is, you know, bubbly queen Kim. Had my first Prosecco Rosé the other day, courtesy See? of your store. Yes. And I was all excited about this. And I thought when it hit in the first of the year, it would really take off. And I've seen no excitement on it yet. I, I yeah. think it's new. It's really new. So I'm hoping it gathers when the Rosé kick in too. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think that not at the usual people that I think you would expect to come in and browse the aisles and see something new and then want to have a conversation with you about it. I don't think that's happening yet. And yeah. at least that's not happening for me. Like I came in specifically because I was like, okay, it's, you know, two weeks past Valentine's Day. I have not picked up my first bottle of Prosecco Rosé yet. That has got to be remedied. So I had to go in and get myself a bottle. But you know, the other factor, Kim, is we haven't been able to tell, you know, people yeah. have and share it with people in our classes or at tastings. Right. We're not having those, you know, face to face, one to one conversations with people. Yeah. We had the conversation. One of our first events we want to do is it's going to be Prosecco Rose, right? And mm -hmm. and within the first of the year, within two weeks, there's probably already been five, six released, if not more, all pretty similar price points. So there's a lot out there. We just yeah. got to get people excited soon. Yeah. And they're fun and they're appealing. And I actually think that they, that it's a good, not only a good price point, like you said, but it's a good style, get a lot of people into it. So whether they're those younger drinkers who are looking for those little bit of bubble, little bit of, I don't want to say sweetness, because it's kind of off dry. It's not like sweet, sweet, but very approachable, fun, appealing, going to be great for warmer weather. Yeah, I'm anticipating. I, I feel like the producers have hit all the right notes with it, and it's just a matter of getting it in front of consumers. One of the other consumer trends they say it's going to happen this year, Kim, was I had to ask you, mm. they're saying planet and pollution friendly items people are yeah. going to seek out. How do you relate that topic to the wine world? So, I mean, we've been talking a lot about sustainable bottling practices, wineries that are paying attention to being environmentally friendly. But they didn't word it sustainable. No. They didn't word it organic and they didn't even no, mention no, no. that. So I'm just I I wonder if if their point in mentioning this is 
having it be part of the larger conversation of like food packaging trash and trash. Yeah. Trash accumulation. There's a lot more available out there these days for people to not use one time use plastic baggies. And, you know, you can get all sorts of things for like your kids lunches where it's all reusable stuff. And like, I think that kind of a conversation is something that is very much in the forefront of the younger generation's mind. So folks in their teens, 20s, early 30s, I think it's something that is going to have more and more of an impact and is really only now just gotten on the radar of people who are on the production side of things. So I think for younger folks who are the ones who are in charge of making those decisions for businesses, yes, they are definitely thinking about how do we make all of our products environmentally friendly, eco-friendly, a lot less waste. I'm not sure how much of it has trickled down to the, say, the people in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s who are still the decision makers in big businesses. I, I don't know that it's necessarily the things that they are thinking about. But I think for younger people who really understand that we are in a climate crisis, that those things are things that they think about. So I think we're getting that information from consumers, younger consumers, and that the, the people who are really on the production end of it, who are making those changes are also those younger people. So I think it's going to take time for that stuff to really be more part of the mainstream, but it will happen. I've seen a few things trending towards what I feel is in this category. The, the first is I've seen products, wines, where they're now saying, buy this wine, we'll plant a tree. Yeah. That, that type of thing. And they've been around for, for years, but noticing it more now. Yeah. I've noticed- well, like the negating carbon emissions thing right. has been right. like that. It, it's sort of like part and parcel to the same thing. And that's been around for a while. But getting away from sustainable and saying more, we're supporting something else if mm-hmm. you drink this wine. Not that we're clean and we're environmentally friendly, but we're, but we're supporting, supporting these another other thing to help yeah. the planet. Right. Yeah. And then I've seen more increase in awareness to cork recycling. Oh, well, more that's good. and more people are coming to me to recycle corks, which yeah. I think is great. And it, it brings the attention, you know, saving the planet and one of the things I had to ask you on this too was when you're talking about box wine, mm-hmm. do you think people, you know, the, the trend during COVID, people are drinking more volume, so they're buying more box. So I was thinking, you know, the way to play this is to say, I'm not consuming a lot. I'm just saving the planet buying <laughs> bulk wine, right? I, I think there was kind of a, there was a kind of a t-shirt or something we could have made from that. But the box wine works the whole pollution and planet safe thing. But to me, that's really about bulk. It's not about saving the planet, really. I don't think people are thinking that as much as they want a a big amount. And if you don't think that I'm going to go out and try to find that t-shirt. Yeah. Well, now we get, see, we give out our ideas to the listeners before we trademark them. I love it. (laughs) I'm saving the planet. I'm not drinking three bottles of wine all at once. That's right. Saving the planet by drinking (laughs) one box of wine at a time. There's something to that. I love it. All right. You got the wheels turning in my brain. 
Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. You can find all our past episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can find information about Kim on her website, VinitasWineWorks.com. And you can find more information about myself at FranklinLiquors.com. Cheers. Cheers.